Matthew chapter 27. I have four verses in Matthew 27. Verse 45. Of course, this is the last moments of the Lord on the cross. Now from the sixth hour... That would have been noon. The sixth hour of the day is noon. There was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. From noon to three. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Ila, Ila, Lama Sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Verse 50. This is just right there in the ninth. And when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks ripped apart. And with faith for you and for whoever. And to the wind. And to the stones. And to the valley of dry bones or people who are not here. Backsliders, sinners, seekers, discouraged. And those who are alone. I'm preaching this word. There's an access. In the ninth hour. I'm preaching access in the ninth hour because God's going to open up something even on this day right here today. In fact, I I don't know if anyone came in with expectation, but I'm happy if if you didn't come in with expectation because the Lord's going to do something miraculous even when you didn't have expectation. He's going to do something powerful and miraculous in this house. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Come on, speak his name one more time. Say in Jesus' name. Thank you and you may be seated. (laughs) To be sure, every ministry in each age have faced both challenges and triumphs. Some have experienced a lack of resources which inhibited the propelling of their ministries. Some faced political opposition while others were persecuted. Some believers struggled in the mire of want while others, perhaps today, struggle in the mire of plenty. I hope you heard me now. At least some portion of our challenge entails the lack of respect for the scripture. Even the preached word for the holy things of God, the awe, has seen and fallen on some hard times. Because of this fact, 
Reading and relating the biblical narrative is an arduous task for any minister. Nevertheless, I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to promise to tell you of the days of Moses and of the voice that spoke from heaven. The people of Israel, they are but a few days removed from Egypt, from the bondage when God directs Moses to construct what will amount to a movable church, a tabernacle. The essence of it was for sacrifice. It was a portable place of holy visitation. The dimensions of it were set by the order of the Lord and its construct and functions were conceived for a type, capital T, a type of salvation. And a lamb which would eventually come to die. The outer court was surrounded by a wall of fabric, the inner court also. The designation of people were given rights to enter as was their function. Sacrifices were made and attendants were on duty. But among the flow of workers, priests and Levites, trained men and appointed personnel, there was one place where only one man, the high priest, could enter. It was the holiest of holies. It was the place where the Ark of the Covenant rested. A small room where ultimately the blood of the sacrificed lamb was consumed. The finality of the sacrifice was not at the altar of repentance, though blood was there. It was not at the washing of the molten sea, though blood was there. The conclusion of the sacrifice came when the cloud of glory descended and consumed the sprinkled blood from the golden mercy seat that covered the Ark of the Covenant. The cloud was the embodiment of God, the acceptance of a sacrifice for sin. It was the most magnificent scene the people of Israel would ever see. The blood scooped up, burned up, we cannot know. But in that small and narrowly lit room, the presence came. He who would not be known and could not be contained, the same active spirit that moved across the face of the deep and brought forth life in the commencement of the worlds, visited the Holy of Holies and rested there. The awe of it all is difficult for me to describe. Maybe as the famed writer once penned, a swirling funnel cloud plummeted to the earth with pinpoint precision, making its way into the narrowest of places. And separating the presence from the people was a veil, a thick veil. It was important to keep God cloaked. It was more than just a human attempt at exclusivity. It was God's desire. A very well-kept God. A veil kept him from them. The sacrifice so sacred and holy was the yearly atonement for sin. A nation was held in the balance The judgment of this holy and righteous God was held at bay. The judgment of him. Year after year, the high priest will enter the small and magnificent room to sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the golden ark of the covenant. It was an exceptional place. It omitted all the people but one. It was a unique location that was kept hidden, secluded, and altogether cut off. No one could enter God's presence but the high priest. No sinful thing, no sinful man or woman could come before him. A mediator appointed and directed by Moses himself of the house of Aaron set apart to do the bidding for the people before the Lord God. Perfect, almighty, righteous God of all the earth. 
That high priest carries the blood in a golden cup into the place where the scorned sin would be rolled back. He's the courier of the payment of death. An innocent lamb has died and its life-giving substance is now presented on behalf of the people, all of them stained by their yearly sin. All of it was cloaked behind this thick veil. The function is known, but the veil keeps them closed out. God is acting, moving, showing mercy, but the veil is hiding his wondrous work. The veil keeps them apart from him. The veil is the curtain that separates the common man from the appointed man. And for centuries, the people are on the outside hoping to peer in, to look in, but they cannot. The community of men and women and children can only wonder at the workings that occurred behind the veil. Even after Israel as a nation becomes corrupt, the temple work is still in play. Even after the last book of the Old Testament is written, when Malachi puts down his pen, lays his parchment to the side, the temple, its sacrifices and assignments are still taking place. God becomes silent for 400 years, but the veil is still held in its place. Jesus now will be born of Mary, but the veil is still held in place. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world is now walking among men he's identified by john the baptist but the veil is still holds is still holding in place the lord jesus will walk among men emmanuel healing delivering setting the captive free all of it and more the blinded eyes can see the withered hands are set forth and straightened lazarus rise from a sealed tomb but the atonement of blood has not been made the veil is still in place Perhaps you are confused. Jesus did not come to this earth to heal. He came to die. He gave to give himself a ransom for many. He healed them because that is the byproduct of his presence. Whenever he enters a room, everything changes in everyone's life. Healing and miracles and deliverance. When the Lord steps in everything. God cannot possibly fill someone with the Holy Ghost and his presence be compartmentalized. So when Jesus is filling people with his spirit, you can be healed and delivered at the same time because all of his goodness, all the fullness of God dwells in him and he enters the room and everything can change. He healed them because that's who he is. But his purpose was blood. Everyone say it, blood. A lamb, a sacrifice. He was to be the fulfillment of Isaiah's sight. Led as a lamb. Silent before his shears. Bearing griefs and sorrows. Stricken, smitten by the divine will of the Father. Afflicted, beaten, and crucified. That's why he came. All of it was coming, but the veil stood strong. Still separating the plight of men from the throne of God. But something happened on the way. On the day they took our Lord. Ordered by Pilate to be scourged. And demanded by Caiaphas to be killed Jesus was hung on the cross of Calvary he's dying there and his death is a slow death blood has been spilled from the praetorium all the way to Golgotha's hill and now finally they will nail his hands and feet to the transit and fasten the beams together then they will lift up the cross and plunge it down into its familiar hole the earth will groan in horror as the creator is hung by his own creation The Bible says that for three hours there was dark 
darkness over all the land as if the sun itself has covered its eyes. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, the sky will shun its most natural display. But something happens at the ninth hour. Jesus cries out and for the final time, he dies. The Bible says, and I quote, he yielded up the ghost. There was a separation of body and of the spirit. The departure of the overshadowing has left its frail frame and the remaining few are blankly staring at him watching in horror as the final drop of blood crashes down to the parched earth beneath it's the ninth hour and the blood sacrifice has been consumed and the blood has been applied and the atonement for all the world has finally been laid at the judgment seat of God it was finished at the ninth hour But not only was the sacrifice complete, but what had never happened before finally happens. The thing that had never been known was now known. The one thing they could never imagine. No one could ever imagine it. For beyond that rugged hill, way over there in the temple, still occupied by the priest and the attendants, going about their daily duties, thinking it was just another mundane day, just another day of duty. The veil that kept the ark from the people, it was torn from the top to the bottom, and it happened on the ninth hour. It was not supposed to happen but the veil opened up and everything in the holy of holies finally was seen it was revealed there was an access on the ninth hour there's something about the ninth hour that God has reserved for his people no longer do we need to go to a high priest to make our petitions known to God I'm happy to pray for you I pray with you however I'll pray for you I'll pray with you but you don't need to go to me to give access to God nor do you need to go to Mary to ask her to give to give your request to God nor do you need to go to any priest or any person to pray to God now you get to walk in no longer must we wait on someone of lineage to carry out our needs before the Lord but if you open up your mouth even where you're sitting and say Lord I gotta have something right now your prayer goes right through the outer court it goes right through the inner court it makes its way into the holy place it's making its way into the holy of holies the veil was torn in the ninth hour and now we can boldly go to the throne we the common people the common man the common woman people flawed and scarred can bring every request before our holy God he opened it up he opened up the gate so that people could come before him the blood of Jesus the Lamb of God paid the price once and for all and it happened in the ninth hour watch this now it happened in the ninth hour and from that there is the last remaining instructions and we are now 50 days after that moment seven weeks and one day it is the image of the year of jubilee and not just one jubilee but seven jubilees <laughs> it was the image of perfect redemption when all the debt is about to be removed when Pentecost will come 50 days after the Passover 50 days after Jesus hung his head and died 7 weeks in a day after the veil was torn from the top to the bottom the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out Pentecost was the cloud of glory funneled pinpoint precision into the life of every 
individual, every person in the upper room, and it spilled out into the streets where 3,000 more people received it and were baptized in Jesus' name. The disciples, those with them, the women were all together, baptizing the masses. They all came forward. Then the next day, or maybe a few days, we just don't know. We do know that the book of Acts is written in chronological order. We do know that one thing precedes the next thing and so forth. We do know that Jesus is gone in bodily form, but they are all filled with his spirit. Every other time there was a healing in the Gospels, the Lord was present with them. All the miracles relied upon his direction. His physical hands were there. His physical body and presence was there. But Jesus now has left them and they are walking in a new day with fresh power. It's unknown to them. They really don't know how to handle it. To this point, there have been no exercises of the Holy Ghost. All they had was the initial evidence of it was speaking in tongues. And yet life was not normal. They were filled with power and authority. And though this Holy Ghost fire had been in them, they didn't really know what to do with it until Peter and John decided to go to the temple to pray. It could have been the day after Pentecost. It could have been a couple days right after Pentecost. It's there that they meet a lame man. The Bible says, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they had laid at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. There's a reason why he was laid at the gate, because lame people were not allowed to go into the temple because you are blemished and a conversation ensued. He thought he was going to get money from Peter and John but Peter looked at that man and who asked them for money and Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The Bible says that man ran into the temple running and leaping and walking today. He was making an open show of the miracle power that was wrought through the hands of the disciples. They never knew it before, but it happened on that day. It was the first time they exercised the power of the Spirit without the bodily form of Jesus Christ because the Lord said, greater works than these shall you do. It was an access point. It was a door. It was an open door like nothing they had ever known before. That moment was so significant because it ushered them into a world of boldness. They could feel the presence of Jesus in them and with them and among them because he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus inside of them was the hope of glory. Jesus, the resonant spirit living in the temple, filling them with wonder and power. He is inside of you. You have got the power. After you get done speaking in other tongues, you ought to know there's an open door in your hands and in your mouth. And you've got to know God has given you an access point. That was the moment that something began to unfold. Giving them a realm to the almighty they had never known before and I'm standing up here to tell you that it happened in the ninth hour Acts chapter 3 and verse 1 now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour 
Something's happened in the ninth hour. There's a change in the ninth hour. There's a new access in the ninth hour. The lives of men are changing in the life hour. Ninth hour. The veil is torn, giving every person access to once was hidden in the ninth hour. The power is being released among the people, which became so well known that even Simon the sorcerer said, Give me also this power that on whoever I lay hands, he can receive the Holy Ghost. There's a new door about to open and it's going to open in the ninth hour and I'm almost there. God spoke to Abraham. He called him out. And Abraham was blessed. So were all of his descendants. The Jews were called to be chosen people set apart. Holy. They were and they are God's chosen people. For God said, I will be your God and you shall be my people. But the plan of redemption didn't stop with the Jews. It was meant for the whole world, or as Paul wrote, who will have all men, speaking of God, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The vine has room enough for the whole world to be grafted in. People from every culture and creed, the Jews and the Gentiles alike, all have been called to sit at his table. Acts chapter 2 was a house full of Jews. And Acts chapter 8 was a house full of (laughs) half-breeds. But Acts chapter 10, there was a new access given to the Gentiles. Even the disciples thought that salvation was limited to to the Jewish life. No one imagined that God would graft in this wild branch called the Gentile. The Gentiles were not a people, Paul said so. They had no heritage or designation, Paul wrote that. They were without any attached lineage. No Moses or Abraham or affiliation to the law or to the throne of David. But I'm preaching about a door of access that God is about to do in the life of someone even here today. And he does it in the ninth hour. What could not be included, God was about to include the precedent that had always been assumed. God was about to change the precedent. Because while the Jews, and especially Peter, thought that salvation was exclusive to them and to him respectively, God was unfolding his master plan. Peter is going to be called by God to visit the house of Cornelius. The Bible calls Cornelius a Gentile, a devout man, and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Cornelius is walking in all the light he knows. He's walking in all the light he knows. He's devout. He's a devout follower of God. He's just lacking some understanding about the gospel. And according to Acts chapter 10, both the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking other tongues and baptism in water in the name of Jesus is about to come to his house. And Peter is hesitant. There's no way this door could open to these people. The centuries say no. The law says no. Everything that he has ever known is about to be challenged. (laughs) Everything he ever thought that was normal is about to be turned on his head. (laughs) Oh my... And it's so evident that Peter watches Cornelius and his household begin to speak in other tongues. He turns to the Jews who have come with him. Those
those of the circumcision, the Jews. And he asked them, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? You see, a door just opened up and it came by way of a supernatural presence. Cornelius saw it. He saw it before it happened. He saw it because God sent an angel to him. And that angel was there to open up an access that would usher in the greatest revival the world has ever known. That's why you and me, that's why we get to be in this house today. That's why we get to get grafted into the vine because of what happened that day. Let me read it to you in Acts chapter 10 verse 3. Cornelius saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying, Cornelius, here pastor today, there is a door in the ninth hour and it's not like any other door it's a time when men walk into the holy of holies it's a time when believers exercise the power of the holy ghost and it's a time when traditional revival and lineage is turned on its head so let me tell you about the ninth hour the ninth hour is not the beginning of the day God does not begin the day in the morning like we do. No. In fact, the law first mentioned in the book of Genesis says that he called the evening and the morning the first day. The day begins with God in the evening. To God, the day begins at sundown. That's why the Jewish people have always begun their worship, their Sabbath, in the evening on Friday. Thousands and thousands of years tell that story. But Sabbath, or the new day, is not the ninth hour. In fact, the ninth hour is just 3 p.m. And we know, anyone can research this, it's easy. We know from the rabbinical, or the earliest times, rabbinical study or law, that the new day, the earliest it can begin, the earliest, is at 4 p.m. Sometimes it starts at 6 Sometimes it starts at 7 because it depends on when the sun goes down. But the earliest that it will ever begin on the earth, because we know this when the sun goes down at 4 o'clock, not 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. Then is the last hour of the previous day. It's the earliest time that the last hour can begin. To us, if I put it in your terms, it'd be like me preaching an access door at the 11th hour. See, the ninth hour to them is our 11th hour. To us, it's nondescript. It's an afternoon. We don't ever schedule anything at 3 o'clock. You might schedule it at noon or breakfast time or 5 o'clock or 7 o'clock or 6.30. But the ninth hour is something almost unrecognizable. You won't see the ninth hour coming. Nobody's going to see it coming. And when it comes, you won't even believe it's here. Because you didn't think it could happen that way. You can't imagine what's going to unfold. See, I got faith for you. I told you I was super side with faith today. Because I know some people are walking in. You're just watching me preach this word. But you don't know. Is God's going to do something in your life? He's going to do something here. And I know that you're responding to me. Hold on. I'm not trying to just provoke you. But you need to be provoked to respond. But even if you don't... 
even if you don't respond even if I'm not provoking you respond I'm going to stand here and preach the wind I'm going to preach the rocks I'm going to preach the valley of dead bones I'm going to preach on a wintry day that God is going to do a great thing in the ninth hour See, the lame people couldn't get in the temple because of Leviticus 21. Because the law said, anyone who has a blemish cannot profane my sanctuary. (laughs) And the common people couldn't get behind the veil because in the law, Leviticus says, only he shall go into the veil. Only he shall come nigh to the altar. And the Bible says that the Gentile couldn't come in because Exodus chapter 12 verse 48 says when a tra- stranger shall sojourn with thee he's got to keep the Passover. He's got to be one that's born for no uncircumcised pers- person shall eat thereof. You see neither the lame nor the commoner nor the Gentile could get into the presence of the Lord. But in the ninth hour, everybody is bid, come. It's not just for you folks who are second and third. I'm glad. Fourth generation Pentecostals. Some of you are fifth generation Pentecostals. It's not for everybody who can exegete the scripture. It's not for everybody who can quote all the disciples in the books of the Bible. It's not just for everybody who's been to the church for a long time or everybody who's grown up in the church and just knows how it's happening. The church is not going to be made for everybody who feels comfortable. In fact, I'm excited because when the ninth hour comes and the door opens up, the new people they're going to walk in are going to make you feel so uncomfortable they're going to they're going to interrupt your status quo they're going to hold on a second i'm believing a day comes when new folks new folks walk in here and take your seat and you walk in five minutes late and you get bothered and disturbed i'm waiting for the day that people walk in in the ninth hour and they don't even know if they should be shouting on amazing grace or skipping on near my god i don't i'm looking for a ninth our revival hey pastor now because if we believe church is for good people if we believe church is for people who know how to act then we are just like those Jews thought that nobody was going to receive the Holy Ghost who ate the unclean meat Peter argued with God said I've never eaten anything common or unclean I've never put anything bad in my mouth I've never had shrimp or catfish the bottom feeders I've never had pork sausage <laughs> not me Lord now I've never done that you won't find me doing that see if we think this house is only for people who know how to respond I'm going to tell you something God loves you his mercy 
sometimes is stretched because he redeemed you with, a, with his precious blood. I cannot only imagine, but what grieves God is when the blood-bought redeemed walk in and act like they weren't blood-bought, but they came in by themselves. I can only imagine what hurts God the most is when the people who are born again of the water and spirit that he invested his spirit inside of you, but you don't respond like it. Because somehow you've been going to church for a while. And so when somebody walks in or a group of people walk in, in condescending ways, you say to them, you're going to be okay. You just keep coming. You'll learn. In fact, I hope some of our new people don't learn from you. Because what they're going to learn from you is how to sit down while the choir is singing. And how to chew gum while the praise singing is going on. And how to, how to just do all your booking, your counting, and check your Facebook page while I'm preaching. I'm talking about a ninth hour access that God's going to do. And it's going to blow your mind. See, you can't even imagine it. But if you would have been back there and your whole life and your mom and your dad, your grandfather, your great-grandfather and everybody ever would have ever existed, they could only tell stories of what happened behind the veil. If you'd have lived there, you'd have known. Nobody goes behind the veil. Nobody goes up there. Nobody ever gets in that room. Nobody. But when Jesus died at the ninth hour, he cried out. And I believe that with a powerful hand, a spiritual hand, it didn't rip from the bottom up. It ripped from the top down, which means, it tells me something. It means that God did it himself because he wanted me to get inside. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. If you've been brought out and bought and sought for, the only thing I think that God can really be disturbed about Is when he sees that you're covered by his blood. But you live as if you weren't. Because the Bible says. He resists the proud. And gives grace to the humble. I'm going to tell you something. You're a Gentile. I'm going to tell you something. You're a Gentile. It's like you are a Gentile. Now you can be grafted in, but you're a Gentile. You never right to get in here. Come on, you never right to get in here. I'm not talking about the people who didn't grow up in church. Even the people who do did grow up in church, you never right to be in here. Yeah. You never right. Hold on a second. You never right to come before God, feel the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost, and the Spirit, the liberation, liberating power of His presence. You never right. He gave you that right. In fact, nowhere in the Scripture does it say that I have to accept Him. I, there's no Scripture that says I have to accept Him. In fact, the Bible says the opposite: that He's accepted us. I accept you, Lord. Accept me. What are you talking about? It's like Nico walking up to me. And, I accept. All the wonderful things you do, I accept it. I'm going to accept my bedroom and all the food and all the stuff. Thank you. I accept my toys. I needed them. You had them. I deserved them. What are you talking about? He accepted you. He, he grafted you in. He brought you in. You wouldn't even be part of it, but his blood atoned you. 
And then as a Gentile, he, he got you into the vine and connect you to Abraham. He resists the proud. I'll, we sang the song. I'm so, I'm so glad you sang the song. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Let me just tell you about his glory. See, we have an open door here today. And we'd like to see his glory. But we haven't seen it yet. And you know why we don't see his glory? Because pride is in direct proportion to his glory. The more pride, the less glory. The more, here pastor, the more arrogance... Here, Pastor, the more arrogance, the less glory. The less pride, the more glory. You start to believe and know and live like he gave you access and humble yourself, more glory. Here, Pastor, there's a door waiting for this church. It's going to happen at the ninth hour. It's going to happen when you don't think so. It's going to happen when you come in and say it's just another Sunday. I'm going to tell you, it's not just another Sunday. The Shekinah glory of God is in this house. How long have you been praying for that thing and it hasn't come? How long have you been praying for it? How long are you struggling with that? How long are you struggling with that? Have you been struggling a year? Has anybody been praying for something longer than a year and it hasn't happened? Raise your hand. It hasn't happened. Has anyone been praying longer, longer than five years for a prayer request and it has not happened? Raise your hand. A five-year prayer request and it hasn't happened. How about ten years? Has anybody prayed for a decade and it has not happened? Has anybody prayed for 30 years and it hasn't happened? Has anyone in here... <laughs> felt like you've been on the outside while other people was worshiping on the inside and it hasn't happened and you've resigned yourself I'll just take a little encouragement from the people that are getting to go in you got an arm got an arm it never happened to me it's never happened to me Nothing good's ever happened to me. I've resigned myself. I'll just take alms from the good people that are getting inside. I'll just take a little handout, a little encouragement. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for that letter. I'm going to tell you what. Some of you don't need any more cards or letters. What you need is you need a Holy Ghost revival. You need an answer to prayer. You need to get up and walk and run and leap inside the house. It's going to happen at the ninth hour. It's going to happen when you don't think it's going to happen. But you just got up and you said, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to keep believing God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God at the ninth hour. Oh, I have faith. The only thing that would make this moment better is I was, if I was preaching this sermon on Thursday night or Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the only thing that would make this better is if I was preaching on a time when you came to church and it wasn't your custom. (laughs) 
You see, you've lived that way so long. You develop a lifestyle around that. In fact, your lifestyle has been developed around your infirmity. But the Lord has a word for you today. That in the moment you don't think it's going to happen. This place is going to be filled with faith. I have five testimonies in my hand from the people in this house. I got to go through them very quickly. I, I can't go through all of them. One individual said to me, Pastor, I have been dealing with a past issue for so long. And one day in the middle of the week, the Lord changed my life. It was so incredible. I was just saying a little word of prayer. And it wasn't during the middle of all the worship service. Everything when I thought it was going to happen. It happened just in my car while I was driving down the road. And it changed immediately. Another person said, I was dealing with great anxiety. And I went through a period of great anxiety. But the Lord changed something. It just, it just kind of was healed. It went away. God did something. I've got, I've got testimonies like that. Hear me. I believe God can do something in a powerful worship service. And we should be here. But don't think think that tomorrow at three o'clock God can't open up a new door to you and give you something you've been aching for all of your life. Don't think that God is bound by your time limit or our time frame or our church service. He doesn't show up at ten o'clock and six o'clock on Sunday. He's there all the time. I want to talk to you about routine for a moment. I'm almost done. Please stand with me now. Acts chapter 10 verse 30. <laughs> Acts chapter 10 verse 30. This is the testimony of a man that found an open door to the presence of God that he never knew existed. Let me just ask somebody here. Do you think you've seen all of God? Come on, all you spiritual people have been serving the Lord all these years, speaking in tongues every other Thursday. Come on, everybody. Know all the songs by heart. You, you can keep your eyes closed while the songs are shown on the board. You know all the stuff. Come on, everybody. You think you know everything about God? You think you've seen everything about God? Don't you know that there's things about God that you've never seen? You want God to show us His glory? Be humble. Have humility. <laughs> Hell, it's a lot easier to sing it. Singing's nice. I want to join the praise team. You don't have to make up any new words. <laughs> when I retire next week, I want to join the praise team. I just sing whatever is written. It's a lot easier to sing it than to live it. <clears throat> See, there are things in God you've never seen before. He's limitless. He's unfathomable. His, his power is inconceivable. He's able to do above and beyond all that you can ask, wait, or think. 
put the cumulative thought in this house together, we can't even touch with all of our thought what God can do. The access to God. So I give you the testimony of the man who said in Acts chapter 10 and verse 30. Help me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting. (laughs) Have you ever fasted and just been hungry? You don't feel no Holy Spirit. Come on. Have you ever fasted and said, I don't feel better? (laughs) I don't feel closer to God? I've been fasting for all these days. I ain't cast out any devils. In fact, I've been irritable and had a bad attitude because my blood sugar is low. Everybody's mad at me and I'm mad at everybody. Huh? Is it just me? It must just be me. Because you're looking at me. And I think you're telling me maybe I need to fast longer. Is that what I need to do? You've been fasting. Nothing's happening. You just go about your business fasting. Not one thing's happening. You're just hungry. And somebody that doesn't really know the Lord say, well, why are you fasting? And you try to make up a, a, a reason, but it's just an excuse. It's lame. Well, it makes me closer to the Lord. Sometimes it does, but right now at that time, you're just wondering what the real ingredients are in chicken McNugget. You don't even care about pink slime in the Oscar Mayer winner. You don't care about the pink slime. You just say, don't even cook it. Your senses are aware. I was in the hotel right before I was going to go speak. I turned the TV on and I got to the food channel. And I just watched the food channel for 20 minutes before church started. What's wrong with me? And the next channel was the Iron Chef. They were walking around, running around, describing what it is. Uh huh. Cornelius said, Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. See, at the ninth hour, God's going to take over. See, at the ninth hour, everything you've been working on, you can just stop right now because the Holy Ghost is going to do the rest. At the ninth hour, go get the food out, open up the refrigerator, throw off the ham and the turkey because you can start eating because God's going to do something at the ninth hour. on at the ninth hour. You're not going to live low. You're not going to have to cry and intercede anymore. All those prayers you've been praying for that thing. You can stop praying those prayers because God's going to do something at that moment. Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Because that means that he's in the present. That means that Nicodemus is telling his testimony to Peter at the very hour that Peter's about to preach. Four days ago, at this very hour, Peter. See, right after this, Peter's going to start preaching. They all receive the Holy Ghost. At the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. Behold, here's an angel. A man stood before me in bright clothing. He said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. All the things you've been doing, they went up to God. So send a message to Joppa. Call Simon. His surname is Peter. He's lodged in another man's house, Simon the Tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh, he'll speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear the things that are commanded thee of God? Hear me. The Lord can send angelic beings to the people's homes that are trying. They're loving. They're faithful. They believe in God. They just have never heard. And they've never seen it. ready because at the ninth hour something's going to tear open and at the ninth hour all the lame and the sick they're going to be healed they're going to come in and they're going to run and leap and dance and shout and you better not you better know which way you're going to go because they're going to knock you down they're going to take your seats they're going to take your places they're going to shout you're going to watch them you're going to say I don't know how they're doing that here pastor when I say I'm preaching I don't know who I'm preaching to I hope I'm preaching to you but if you're not with me I'll preach to the wind give up north I'll preach to the south give up south give up east give up west I'll preach to every rock and every stone let water come forth I'll preach to a valley of dead bones because I believe that God can do it in the night hour I'm about to finish it out now. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, He opened his mouth and said, Every reviler and adulterer and whoremonger and every denomination and every person who doesn't believe in God and every atheist and every person who's against the holy things of God and every person in this city and every person in this land God has no respect for persons he don't care where you came from he doesn't care what your family used to be he doesn't care if you came from a divided home or a complete home he doesn't care if you've got money or if you're dirt poor he doesn't care if you've got education or if you are dumb as a rock he don't care about any of that he's calling everybody because he's no respecter of persons It's good so far, but hold on a second. I'll make you disturbed. He came to redeem the homosexual and the transvestite. And the binary is going to find their gender. No, no, you thought it was okay as long as they were drug addicts.
That's what the Jews thought of the Gentiles. Scum of the earth. Dogs. Even Jesus pointed out it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. And the Syrophoenician woman said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And all of a sudden, boom, glory of God came down and her daughter was healed. You know why? Because pride was gone and humility was there. I'm just showing you right now, God's going to do all kinds of things. Cultures, creeds, peoples, ideas, horrible backgrounds. He won't bring them into the house. He won't bring in manic depressants. They're going to bother you. The manic depressants are going to bother you because they're always low and they're always down. But you're going to be the body of Christ. You're going to lift them up. You're going to raise them up. He won't bring people in that are hooked on prescription drugs and they look okay, but they're stoned out of their mind and they're doing under the doctor's care. He won't bring them in. He won't bring in men who are homosexuals and they need to be delivered. He's going to bring lesbians in here and they need to be delivered and they need God too because he is no respecter. Thank God he didn't have respect for you. Because if I was saved according to my character, if everybody was only given access according to their character, I dare say this place would be empty. It'd be empty on a Sunday, on a sunny day. <laughs> but Peter had a revelation. Please, church, have a revelation. I'm almost done. Of a truth I perceive. God's no respect of persons. But in every nation, watch this, he that feareth him and they're doing right is accepted with him. Do you know there's people that are bound up? They're trying to do right, but they're bound up. They don't know where to go. I'm looking for a door now, Lord. I'm praying for a door. You, you gave the word. I just proclaimed what you already wrote. I'm proclaiming it right now. Let doors open up in the lives of individual people here. Let there be a new access, Lord, to your glory. Let there be a new access, Lord. Let there be shouting and leaping and running and dancing in the house of God from the people, Lord, that are blood-bought, redeemed, and healed. And I pray, Lord, let a brand new revival of new people walk into this house, Lord. People we never thought would come, Lord. But you're no respecter of persons. Now, right now, all the people, I just want you to respond to the word in whatever way you think is appropriate. Some of you who've been dealing with issues for a long time. Hear me. If your prayer is over a day old, but really if it's over a year or two or three years old, you ought to lift up your voices and hands and just say, Lord, I receive it. You can give me the access door right now. You can change my life right now. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I got faith for you today. I got faith for you today.